Hi, this is Roy Worley. Welcome to the interview show that brings on guests from all walks of life. Yeah, it's here that they tell their stories and delve a little deeper into their lives to see what got them where they are. So grab a drink, have a seat, and relax, because this is The Leo Effect. When was the last time a short movie shook your emotions to the core? When was the last time a short movie caused you to rethink everything you stood for? When was the last time a short movie made you proud to be an American? When was the last time you felt the emotion to stand up and cheer after a short movie? The new short movie, I've Got Your Six, written and directed by Bill Foster, one of the industry's newest and fastest climbing directors, will answer all of those questions. Rarely has there been so much packed into a short movie that when you leave, you'll feel more proud of our American military veterans. A movie that was cast only with American military veterans will have you on the edge of your seat, cheering for our veterans and what makes America great. I've Got Your Six will be hitting the film festival scene soon. Be prepared to drop what you're doing and go see this powerful movie when it comes to your area. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to The Leo Effects. I hope you're ready for this one because I certainly am. It's been a long time in the making. I'm super excited. I have a childhood idol, somebody that you've probably heard if you're about my age and probably any time there before or after or any time. Today, I'm joined by the great Neil Ross. How are you today, sir? Actually, it's a great coincidence because I had an idle childhood, so it should be a nice fit. <laughs> Perfect. Just sat around. There wasn't a lot to do, you know. <laughs> anyway, thanks for having me. It's uh, it's a pleasure to be with you. Yeah, yeah, this is, this is going to be good. I got some... Uh, some nice questions all ready to ask. and uh, But I think first, you know, if people haven't figured it out yet by hearing the sound of your voice, maybe you can uh, enlighten people with your what you feel might be your most iconic roles. Well, we're talking strictly animation or the whole... The whole... What, I mean, you don't have to do your whole resume, but I mean, some of the, what you feel you might be most proud of or, you know, along yeah. those lines. Well, well, we'll kind of skip across the high, the high points and uh, see where we go from there. I did a lot of animation. The shows that I did that most people might be familiar with would be Voltron, G.I. Joe, Transformers, a uh, couple of different iterations of Spider-Man, uh, Rambo, etc., etc. I prob I lost track after about 2,500 uh, episodes of animation. I don't know where I am now, probably closer to 3,000. <laughs> uh, also did a million commercials, um, did uh, 20 plus episode, uh, narrated 20 plus episodes of Nova for public television, uh, was the announcer on the Oscar telecast in 2003, the primetime Emmy awards telecast in, uh, 2004 and, uh, like that there. Yeah. So take that. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. What a distinguished career. Well, it's, uh, it's, it, I got a lot further than I thought I was going to. Honestly, uh, when I first, you know, I, the first thing I ever did was radio. I was a disc jockey for about 20 years. And when that ambition first uh, came on my radar at uh, about the age of 15, 16, believe me, uh, 
I would have been thrilled just to make it to, to KCBQ in San Diego, but I got a little further than that. It, things got out of hand. <laughs> I would say so. <laughs> what was it that made you decide to pursue this this particular career? Uh, voiceovers or radio? Well, you said you you were into radio first. So what what was hmm? it that drew you to that first? It was actually the music. I, uh, you know, I listened to a lot of radio when I was a kid, but I would always tune to where people were talking. I was fascinated by voices and accents, and I began to try to reproduce them in the privacy of my room. <laughs> it almost turned into a little bit of a hobby, but of course I had no idea how to turn something like that into a, a vocation. And, uh, I really didn't care for the music of the 50s, at least the early 50s. It just seemed silly and sappy and stupid. And then one day I heard this astonishing record. And it was, of course, the first rock and roll record I ever heard. Uh, Tutti Frutti by Little Richard. Oh, all right. Recorded, I think it was the third take of a session in Nolens. And I heard that uh, that 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 uh, incredible sound of his voice and those Nolan's musicians. And I just said, uh, I, I just felt this, this electric thrill that went from my toes right up to the top of my head. Uh, I, I, and I began to discover, gosh, there's more of this stuff out there. And of course it was rock and roll, the, the 50s, mm-hmm. Elvis Long and all the rest of it. You know the story. And uh, I I, I was so caught up in the whole thing that I began to listen to a lot of music radio stations that were playing this stuff. And, you know, if I was, if I had perhaps had a little bit of a different uh, mindset, I would have ended up in a band, but I have zero musical talent, so forget that. <laughs> I, I began to be fascinated by the guys who played the records, the disc jockeys. And eventually I thought, Gosh, maybe I could do that. And then it sort of became an obsession. Okay. And uh, so uh, that that's how I got seduced into radio. It was the music initially. Wow. All right. Did you when you were entering into that particular world, did uh, you have a lot of support or did people think you were just out of your mind? Well, my parents certainly thought I was out of my mind. Um well, and, you know, it was tough in those days. I mean, <clears throat> show business now they've torn down the fourth wall and if there was a fifth wall they'd tear that down but um back then it was really hard to find anything out about you know radio and how it worked and how to get into the business and all the rest of it and i was very lucky i made a connection there was a a radio guy living in my neighborhood and i was able to meet him and uh, god bless him he was a a wonderful uh, mentor told me all about it, set me on the right path, and uh, uh, I, owe, I owe him a lot. And, um, you That's know, awesome. once, once, once I got kind of got, got the thing in my sights, uh, actually, it was relatively easy. Well, relatively easy. I shouldn't say that. It, 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 was a, it was a tough slog. But at least I had a goal. You know, a lot of young people just don't have a goal. And my feeling is if you got a goal, God, everything else just falls into place. It has to. You know, you've got a, you're, you're shooting for a bullseye. You're, you're focused. You know what you're doing. You know what you want to do. Uh, I don't know what would have become of me if I hadn't stumbled onto radio. I, I had no other interests at all. So mm. it was kind of a miracle. What? 
It certainly sounds like it. <laughs> and then how long did you do radio for? Uh, about 20 years. Wow. But towards the last five of those years, I was doing both radio and voiceovers. The, the two careers kind of overlapped. And eventually I got so busy in voiceovers. And I, I, I was frankly, I was tired of the radio business anyway. So I got gotcha. you. You know, the tail was wagging the dog, and I just, I, I quit my last radio job. I walked out of uh, KMPC in Hollywood, a station <laughs> I never thought I'd ever have a chance to work for. <laughs> and then I, I quit in 1985, and I haven't had a job since. Oh. Not, a, not a steady job, you know. Right. Oh. Jeez. What, what was it that made that transition into voice, like voiceover work? Did you jump well, into commercials, or was it, oh, hey, look, a cartoon? No, what happened was, uh, you know, I was always uh, a pretty good in the production studio of the of various radio stations where I worked. Uh, most stations, there are two studios. There's the air studio where the show you hear is being broadcast. But then there's a second studio called the production studio, and that's where they put together the commercials and the promos and that kind of stuff. And, you know, most disc jockeys hate that work. They think it's dull and uh, not very glamorous. But I enjoyed working in the production studio. I enjoyed really perfecting a commercial to make it as good as I possibly could. And I began to be interested in the people that I heard voicing national television commercials and national radio commercials and the people who were doing voices in cartoons. I began to wonder, who are they? How do they get these jobs? And I had this theory that maybe they were on camera people just picking up money on the side. Mm -hmm. But then in the early 70s, I discovered there was this business called voiceovers, that you could just do voice work and that if you were successful, you could do pretty damn well at it. And I thought, uh, you know, this is this is for me. This is like a 100 percent perfect fit for what little bag of tricks I have compared to radio where I'm really only using about 30 or 40 percent of what I'm capable of. So that that became the, the next goal was to get out of radio and get into voiceovers. And it took me, uh, you know, close to 10 years to make that happen. But somewhere in the early 80s, suddenly I was making more money outside the building than inside the building. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's when it really picked up. If you if anybody checks out the IMDb page, it, that's when it really, you know, the Transformers and things like that started kicking off. Yeah, that, that was all sort of 85, 86, 87. That was an incredibly uh, busy time for me. Unbelievable. I, I, I saved my appointment books from that period, and I used them to write the book that I've written, which we'll hopefully talk about at some point Uh and it, it, looking at those appointment books, it's a, it, it astonishes me how busy I was. <laughs> I can imagine. <clears throat> it got to where I was playing, excuse me, so many uh, characters that I had to carry a reference tape around with me, a little uh, cassette player. Mm -hmm. And I would sit in a car when I would get to a session and I would think, all right, who am I playing in this one? And then I would have to find a recording of that voice on my little cassette and listen to it to remind me, oh, okay, I know how to do that character. All right, all right. And <laughs> it, uh, it it was just a whirlwind for a few years there. It was unbelievable. Yeah, I can imagine keeping all those different characters would like separate would be a little bit <laughs> difficult. Where Did you try to keep them 
kind of similar within a comfort zone or did you just do completely different whatever you could for each one? Well, the way the way it works for me and I suspect uh, most of my colleagues would say, yeah, that's kind of the way it works. You don't each job is a separate entity in and of itself. And you come into the audition and usually there is a drawing of the character, perhaps maybe two or three drawings, profile, straight on, what have you. And, and then there's a one or two paragraph description of the character, which you read. And while you're absorbing all of this, if things go well, you begin to hear a voice in your head that you think would fit this character. And then you try to reproduce that with your vocal cords when you get in the studio. And if everything goes really good, they say, oh, we love that. Uh, you can have the job. Okay. So I never thought in terms of anything else I was doing. I would only focus, pinpoint this, the character that I was reading, the auditioning for at any given moment. And somehow it all worked out. I see. All right. Did you have any uh, one particular one that you'd like to do over the others? Well, my favorites are the ones that are the fans' favorites. I mean, it's a selfish <laughs> thing, but you know, uh, you know, there are there are a couple of characters I did that that I fell in love with, and and that I don't think were that popular. But no, I, the the shipwreck character that I played in uh, in GI Joe that was very rewarding, mm -hmm. largely because he was a conflicted character. Um, you know, if you think about uh, G.I. Joe, the good guys were really, really good and the bad guys were really, really bad. And then there was Shipwreck, who was trying to do the right thing, but he didn't like taking orders. So he would decide to do things his way and get into trouble. And that made him a fascinating character to play, much more interesting to play than a straight ahead good or bad guy. Right. Yeah. A little bit of gray area there. And I'm very fond of Springer. It's a fun part to do. That's one of the characters I played in uh, Transformers, and that one's very popular with the fans. But then a personal favorite of mine is in a show that not many people remember, unfortunately, because it was a very clever show. It was called Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. Do you remember that one I at all? I do. I do. Well, that, that was based on a, a movie, a low-budget movie that somehow became successful, and... Um, it all takes place in the fictional California town of San Zucchini and played the local newsman. And uh, he was the he was the only local newsman. He would uh, sometimes he would be at the station and he would throw it to himself in the field. If you know, if you. Yeah. You know, yeah. You're here with that reporter, Whitley White. Thank you, Whitley. <laughs> nonsense like that. But I, he, the characters uh, sort of, there was a local uh, a radio news guy in those days in, in the Los Angeles area who was in love with the sound of his own voice. And I sort of based the, the character on him. And <laughs> it was just a lot of fun to do this character. I, a lot of the time I'd be cruising along and I'd be this close to just cracking up because I, I, even I thought it was so damn funny. And I, I, some of those speeches, I don't know how I got through them. I was just this side of uh, becoming hysterical. <laughs> I can so imagine. His, his name was Whitley White, and I always enjoyed that character. Yeah, that, that's a show I honestly haven't thought about in a very long time. Yeah. yeah. Well, we, you know, we had a lot of fun doing it. Maurice LaMarche was in it, Kath Soucy, 
Cam Clark. I'm forgetting some of the people, but it was a wonderful cast, and 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 the scripts were just great, and we had a lot of fun with it. But you know, not not too many people seem to remember it, which is too bad. But yeah, yeah, it's weird how nostalgia works, though. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you'll remember without even knowing you knew it. Yeah. Um, so I do, I got another little question here that relates to the voiceover part of this. And, you know, I want to ask you before we transition to the next part, but, um, so what advice would you have for somebody that's just coming into this business? Well, you know, the business has changed so dramatically since I got started. I, I almost am reluctant to <clears throat> to give advice, it's a very, very different uh, playing field from the one that I got involved with in the early 80s. Oh, okay. But I, I like to believe that the basics apply. There's, I quote this in my book. Uh, I actually take the line from a guy named Robert Evans, and he wrote a book called The Kid Stays in the Picture. And it's about uh, his years in show business. He ran Paramount Pictures around the time that they made Love Story and The Godfather and a, a bunch of other uh, huge films. And somewhere in the book, he his definition of luck is what happens when preparation meets opportunity. And you don't have any control over opportunity, but you sure have control over preparation. And so I would just say, do your homework. Uh, don't show up thinking going to get by on a, a nice smile and a haircut. Uh, really uh, do, do workshops if you can. Uh, any kind of performing, even if it's not voiceovers, if there's just uh, some kind of local theater where you are, get in a play. Uh, it all helps. You draw on these things, uh, sometimes without even being aware of it. You'll be in a session and need to come up with a voice and you'll come up with a voice and you'll think, where the hell did that come from? And then you'll realize, oh, for heaven's sake, that's a character that uh, I saw in a movie or a character I, I did on stage 15 years ago, Fargo, North Dakota. The main, the, I guess the main piece of advice I would have is, is, is work your craft. Uh, don't rely on connections and nonsense like that. You know, that'll come in time. But the main thing is prepare, prepare, prepare. Like the joke about the lady that got approached in New York and the guy says, excuse me, ma'am, can you tell me how to get to Carnegie Hall? And she says, practice, darling, practice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> That's awesome. But that actually, you, that perfectly brings us to the next part that I want to go into, which is to talk about your book. Um, I, I had the opportunity to read through some of it um, with my limited time that I'm afforded between work and podcasting. And I got to tell you, this is some intriguing stuff. And uh, so, you know, I don't want to steal the thunder away from you on that one. So if you want to talk about your book a little bit, that would be perfect. Like, So we could start with the, the title. Yeah, the title is Vocal Recall, and the subtitle is A Life, Radio, and Voiceovers, and that pretty much sums it up. <clears throat> I don't tell you a whole lot about my personal life, but I tell you a great deal about the the journey and how I got there and, and what happened once I showed up. And so it really it begins, like any 
autobiography with my birth. And then we find out where I was raised. And eventually I hear my first rock and roll music. And then I stumble across the mad dream of becoming a disc jockey, which I do. And then some of the adventures that I had were working in such far-flung places as uh, Lewiston, Idaho, and San Diego, San Francisco, Honolulu, and Los Angeles. And then how I made the transition into voiceovers and the shows that I worked on, the things that I did, the people that I met. And hopefully there are enough uh, funny and or interesting stories along the way to where it's uh, an enjoyable read. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what I read of it has been just completely enticing, like entrancing. There we go. That's what I'm looking for. And I, it's great. It's a great book. It's a good read. Where, where can people pick this up at? Well, it's uh, it's on Amazon, and it the there's an audio version that's at Audible. Apple has it. Uh, the simplest thing would be to go to a website I created for the book, and that show you how to order it. Okay. And and the website is www.neilbook, N-E-I-L-B-O-O-K, dot com. But if you just put vocal recall into Amazon, it should pop up quite nicely. Okay. Okay. And as usual, yeah. I will put all of the links to these things into the description of the podcast. So one-stop shopping, just click and go. Um, excellent excellent i appreciate it absolutely that you know people people like simplicity if you can click and get there that's the way to do it so that's how we're gonna set it up (laughs) it's a click and get world yep um do you have any projects you're currently working on that you can tell us about or uh something coming up that you're looking forward to yeah the uh a couple things uh i am very proud and pleased to be narrating a series of uh, documentaries for the Jet Propulsion Laboratory in Pasadena. And these are the folks who put rovers on Mars and and all kinds of uh, just amazing things. And uh, that fairly soon will be available. And but I don't know exactly where or how, unfortunately, but uh, within, I think, another six months to a year that, that will be available to the public. Okay. And then this summer, uh, happy to report that uh, the game show Press Your Luck is coming back for 12 thrilling episodes with uh, yours truly as the announcer. Oh, there we go. Yeah. That's awesome. That's really cool. I'm glad that you're you're still out and about. You're still doing stuff and, you know, making it work. You're, You're a role model. Oh, you're too kind. Thank you. Thank you. You know... It's a remark attributed to Woody Allen. I don't know if he really said it or not, but <laughs> it, the, the the remark is that about 75% of the uh, reason for success is that you showed up. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that's all I do. I just keep showing up. And they say, oh, you again. Oh, dear. But somehow uh, it seems to work out. So That's perfect. That's all that matters, right? Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was it was voiceover artists like yourself and, you know, many others growing up that got me much in the same way practicing in, you know, the comfort of my bedroom and wanting to pursue that career as well. 
and not having any idea how to get there. So your knowledge, even though you you say that you know the game has changed since then, is still so invaluable. And it's amazing that you're willing to, you know, come on a show and just and share it. And you're such a, a nice a nice guy. You're fun to talk to. It's been great. Oh, thank you, Ray. That's very kind. Well, I've enjoyed talking to you, so it's mutual. Well, perfect. Then it sounds like it was a, a good finish to an episode. <laughs> um, before we wrap things up, though, um, I would like to open the floor up to you for a moment to um, let the listeners know where to follow you, like what kind of social medias you have. Yeah, not much to speak of. I'm, I'm kind of a Luddite, but I am on Facebook, Neil Ross, N-E-I-L-R-O-S-S. Uh, also have another website, which is cleverly titled uh, www.neilross.com. I paid a consultant a fortune to come up with that. Oh, wow. <laughs> I don't know if your audience would even be interested in that site. It is basically designed so that people who hire voice artists can listen to my demos. Oh. And so you can go on and hear demos for narrations, animation, promos, trailers, commercials, etc., etc. Now, understand you don't hear anything in its entirety. You hear snippets of things edited together and... I I, you know, I don't know how interesting that would be to the average person. Maybe it would, maybe it wouldn't. But feel free if you want to go there and listen. Be my guest. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, and you would be surprised, actually, uh, because in this world of information overload and setting up podcasts and things like that, there's actually a lot of people that are looking for people like you and and you know, voiceover artists to do intros for them. You know, they send out scripts and say, Hey, could you read this? And and they're actually willing to pay for it. So who knows? You never know. You, you never, never. Know. And as long as you show up, that's what matters, right? That's it. That's <laughs> it. Just keep showing up. Just keep showing up. <laughs> but once again, thank you so much, Neil, for joining me today. This has actually been an amazing interview. I've had so much fun. And, you know, you're a funny guy. You're great to talk to. Oh, thank you, Ray. I, and thanks so much for having me on. I very much appreciate it. And I very much enjoyed talking to you. That's amazing. And thank you to all the listeners who tuned in and tuned up and flicked it to the station. Whatever you did to get here, it's listeners like you that keeps this thing going because you keep showing up. So <laughs> thanks for that. And we will see you all next time. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, creatures of all ages, what an amazing show. Thank you for lending an ear and joining us. I'm the host, Ray Rumsey, and if you want to hear more interviews, simply head to anywhere podcasts are heard, Facebook or Twitter, and search The Leo Effects. With an A, not an E. If you'd like to hear me doing silly voices and making a general fool of myself, head over to Shattered Dungeons on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. We live stream every Tuesday night. More projects are in the works. For now, stay tuned for more interviews. To book yourself as a guest, you can head to theleoeffects.wixsite.com slash podcast or send me an email at theleoeffects at gmail.com. Remember, this has been The Leo Effects, and great shows require great listeners, just like you. Thank you, and we'll see you next time.